Crime Curious is a true crime podcast that takes an in-depth look into real cases through the lens of a trained investigator and former prosecutor turned judge. If you are sensitive to expletives, anatomical descriptions, and accurate descriptions of crime scenes, this podcast may not be suitable for you. Welcome to Crime Curious. I'm Charnel. And I'm Megan. And it's good to be back in the saddle. It is. It was a great break, though. It was. Very refreshing. Much yes. needed for our uh, mental health. It was. And thank you all for understanding. I know the last two weeks have been lonely in your ear holes without us. It is torture to not have Charnel and <laughs> Megan lulling you to sleep. And shaking all the gree-gree. And speaking of gree-gree. Oh, my God. We have so many thank yous to give over the holiday season. Our listeners really showered us with gifts, and we're just so grateful. I'm blown away all the time by the generosity of the people who support our podcast. But then we have people like Mr. Michael from Cabin in the Woods Crystals who sent us a huge-ass box of crystals. Oh, yeah. And I mean, you guys, I don't know if you've ever priced crystals, but there are plenty. Yeah, there's plenty that are not cheap. And his generosity blew me away. I mean, I don't even know that we can describe everything that we got. I'll post some pictures, but I'm super, like, called to me this beautiful skull who I'm assuming maybe a sandstone. He can correct me if I'm wrong, or I'll look it up because I like rocks and gems with crystals coming out of his head. Um, I know for a fact, just having him in my hand that this is a, this is a male skull. It is very, yep. Masculine energy coming out it of that. It is. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not a human. So it yep, is right. an actual rock. <laughs> I can right. tell you this. I'm just going to call him Chris. Oh, I love it. Yeah, with, and, a, with like a K. And the thing this is, is Chris with a K. when I was unwrapping all of this and you weren't here, I you knew it was for me before I even it. unwrapped him. I know. I knew that that was for you, and then I saw the skull and was like, "Oh, Megan's gonna love you so much. Megan loves it skulls. is for you." And this, for me, this heart, just I don't know. It just resonates so She's strongly to me. In her hand. It calls to me. It matches the decor in our studio. It looks that like was our done rug. By me, it does look like our rug. Yeah. But there, are, there are bracelets. We're wearing, we're wearing them. them. I don't know if you can hear. Us yeah. Shaking. Now we wear gree gree. Now, we now wear I it. have worn a frog around my neck before, so this That's isn't true. the first time. This is true. Yeah. And so there's just there was so much in that box, and we're so grateful. So, and he specifically said, "I don't. Oh, I don't need a. Shout I don't out. need a shout out. Too bad. I, yeah. Like sorry. So." I believe he does have a website, but Cabin in the Woods Crystals, thank you so much for your generosity. We love every bit of that, and and it's here in the studio with us. And while well, Megan is taking her Chris to work I with I am going to take Chris to work with yep, me. I, I need to. Wearing our bracelets. Then we also have to thank Michelle Ugh, for the Michelle, delicious thank you. chocolate-covered cherries. I'm going to be sick later. Yes. I've done this to myself. I did it last year, too. Yes, she sends us from her hometown of Prosser, Washington, a beautiful cherry gift uh, box. And it, it, it just, 
It is my They're favorite. Amazing. Well, so and good. shout out to you in Washington State who grow the best cherries yep. in the United States. And that's hard for me to say because Michigan comes in second with the Traverse City area. They yep. actually have the Cherry Festival. But I will give you, throw you that bone. Yes. <laughs> cherries, Washington State cherries are, are the best in the U.S. We literally stuffed our face with them right before recording. Yeah, I'm, so. I'm going to be chewing throughout. Yes, yes. It will happen. Oh, gosh. So they're just um, so much generosity. Thank you to everyone. Everybody who's just, even if you just listen, if you're like, gosh, I would love to be in on that family, but right now I can't join Patreon and I, you know, things are tight. Just listening and being a listener supports us. It puts us um, on the, the map for the algorithms and things like that. So thank you so much. Thank you for your ratings lately. We've gotten some beautiful ratings and, um, oh, yeah. I haven't checked lately. Yeah. Sometimes for my own mental health, I don't go look on that. That's. Oh, that's probably a good idea, especially since you personally write back to those who give a poor That's rating. That's Luckily, it hasn't been that many. You're going to find this hard funny. to believe, but I like to have the last word. Weird. Weird. I never knew that about you. <laughs> so you know what I've got for us today? After I untangle my hair that has tangled in our head my headset sorry about that oh you know gosh. the other thing we should mention is that as we finally got to the bottom of the box from um kangaroo sack jason from uh -huh. australia we have like our last two things to try if we can get to them today but we found this amazing calendar mm -hmm. of australian wildlife and when november is your birthday it is so uh your animal is the sand monitor Oh, look at the tongue on that guy. I know, right? Ooh. And mine, because I just identify with him, is the thorny devil. Oh my gosh, <laughs> it's so relevant to both of so us. So I will post these. And I would also like to point out that in a calendar full of the cutest, most adorable creatures, we are scary reptiles. <laughs> That seem so, to be the only months with the scary reptiles. Yeah, every, even, there's Everything some reptiles. Else is so cute. They're cute, and and we are not. Oh, uh, nope, nope, not at all. Well, thanks for nothing, Australia. No, no. that's okay. It's <laughs> it's kidding. fine. We've seen your spiders. How come there's no spider in here? What is oh, that? Oh, it's adorable. In December, it's an eastern koal. Uh, this looks like a fawn with spots Mixed on a mouse. On a mouse. Yeah, that is exactly what it looks like. Okay. Oh, so adorable. So, yeah. But yeah, the irony is not lost on me that the two not at all most terrifying and intimidating things in that whole Australian calendar happen to fall for the months of our birthday. So welcome to Crime Curious. Welcome to Crime Curious. We're You're prickly in. but we're here for you. We are with long tongues apparently. <laughs> Speak but for yourself. We, we do talk a lot. So I have a two-parter. Surprise. Love it. Two-parter. I'm going to break this one up into two because um, I read a book because I then found all kinds of other things. Sometimes it contradicted with the book. Sometimes it didn't. Found uh, some case files. So I'm like, ah, all of this plethora of research I was able to do. So I'm going to break this bad boy into two parts. I love it when you give me two parts. Start in 2024 off with a twosome. Love it. Love so, it. Love it. Here we go. Sorry, I am rearranging my computer. I love watching coffee. her balance her coffee cup on this expensive piece of machinery. <laughs> I'm, I like to live on the edge. That you do. Uh, so, I, think, I don't think I have anybody but myself to thank for this one. If I do... Thank you, Charnel. Oh, if, you, if someone suggested this out there and Tell I us. didn't give you credit, let me know because I'll... 
I'll recant the, <laughs> the statement that I just made, but I'm fairly certain. Actually, I know I found this one because I was scrolling through my Kindle and I had saved this book a long time ago. Okay. Um, it's called The Girl in the Leaves by Scott Robert. And it was just kind of on my like, oh, that sounds interesting. I'll read that later list. And I finally over break got to read it. Good. I'm so, glad. I'm going to start this case with a cute teenage couple, Larry and Tina Maynard. Now, I'll tell you Tina's uh, name in, in a minute, but they are an um, eventual married couple. But we're going to start with how they met. All right. They met when Larry was 15. He was riding his bike in the, his hometown of Reynoldsburg, Ohio, where he saw the beautiful, young, and athletically built Tina, and he became instantly enthralled. Tina was actually born Tina Herman, H-E-R-R-M-A-N-N, and she was staying for the summer with her father. Now, okay. Larry was happy to realize that he actually already knew Tina's stepbrother. He just didn't realize until the summer months that his little friend had himself a hot stepsister. Right. There was a his, hers, mine, and ours thing going on. Yes. So she was coming to spend the summer with dad. Yep. And then suddenly, you know, Larry's spending a lot more time over at his friend's house He's for like, the you, summer. my friend, have become much more interesting. <laughs> And just like that, we're besties. That's yeah. right. And love was born. Right. It sure was. Tina actually only lived in the next town over, like 10 mi miles away when she lived with her mom. Okay. okay. So even when she was, when summer was over and she wasn't with her dad anymore, they weren't far away from each I other. See. So they were able to easily continue dating for their long distance relationship. And in no time, they were in love. They were dating, doing the typical teen dating things like Tina really loved watching Larry play basketball and football, going to the movies, eating fast food, being a normal American-Ohio couple. Okay? Midwestern love. Yes. They were both hardworking, and after high school, they got an apartment together just outside of Columbus, Ohio. And in April 1997, uh, they were both 19 at this point in time, Tina gave birth a little bit, like six weeks prematurely, to their first daughter named Sarah. Okay. okay. Now, it didn't matter. These guys are my age. Yeah. It didn't, it did not matter that Sarah was premature because each day she just showed how her strength and resilience and in no time, she had no developmental delays. She was nothing other than a typically developing little girl. Great. Even being six So she was premature. a preemie, but mm -hmm. she survived. She was a survivor. Yes. When she, um, she was two years old, Tina and Larry blessed her with a baby brother to play with named Cody. All right. Okay. So Cody and Sarah were described as having a really strong sibling bond. They loved one another. They were kind to each other. And they're just described in, in every source that I could find as overall really great kids. And just like the type of kids that parents literally pray for. Okay. With two kids at home, and neither Larry nor Tina had at this time um, obtained any sort of college okay. education, Larry felt that it was best to make a good living, er, excuse me, in order to make a good living, he thought that it would be best for him to be a long-haul truck driver. Okay. okay. It makes the money. It's, it sure it's, does. It can be hard on the family because she's going to be alone with two kids, mm -hmm. um, but... I know people who make an incredibly good living that way. Yes. And shout out to all truck drivers who are listening right now. Isn't our Chris a truck driver? Yes. Yeah. Yep. 
Yep, one of our Patreons, we know that. And so thank you for your service to our society because we literally wouldn't be able to enjoy the things that we do without you, including food. Right. So thank you. And my shoes. Mm -hmm. Thank you for having, thank you. God bless Amazon and all the shoes. Love, Megan. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and you look great in them. So it's even a pleasure for me because I get to witness it. Now, as you already have highlighted, this does come with complications. Obviously, Larry is away from the home more than what you would want with two young children. Yes. His priority was that he wanted Sarah and Cody to have a nice home, live in a nice, safe neighborhood. So the company that he actually worked for was based out of Florida. And what he would do at this time was haul flowers to florist shops all over the eastern coast of America. I love this. Mm -hmm. I'm going to haul something. I want it to be flowers. That's what I thought too. Yeah. What a beautiful way to spread joy. Yes. So sometimes he would even haul to uh, like all the way to California and through the West, which means at that point in time, he's gone for weeks at a time. Typically it was the East coast, but sometimes he would have to do West coast uh, travels. So at this time, Tina was working at a Meyer grocery store and, you know, she's working full time. She's essentially raising these two children alone and, of course, missing her husband. So we know life's not easy. This isn't an easy situation. No, not at all. And it does take a toll. Um, and some resentment can form of, and build. Of course. Because of course. he's out working, making money to support the family, but she's dealing with all the crap the hard parts about child rearing yes when they become sick there's nobody else to say you know at 3 a.m hey it's your turn to get up with them right right no one else to take them to the practices to school to make sure that they're being good humans and getting good grades there's just not a day off from parenting no and when larry was home he was tired he wanted to rest he did do things with the family like they're were specific examples of how they enjoyed going to the zoo together and, you know, doing normal family things like that. But I can empathize with how exhausting it is to drive, a, to have a demanding job like that, drive all that time, and then come home and have more demands on you, yes. right? Now, Tina and the kids actually lived with Gra- with Larry's grandmother, not Grary's landmother, okay. which is what I wanted That's to say. That's okay, too. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Larry- we know starting 2024 off strong that words are hard. Yeah. And continue to be. Uh, just so you guys know, I didn't change from who I was in 2023. It was not a resolution that we made. No, I did not make a resolution that I will pronounce all names and cities correctly or counties or towns. No, or don't even so, common words. Don't set yourself up to fail. No, like, please don't expect that from me. Uh, it wouldn't be crime curious without me mispronouncing something. This is the God's <laughs> honest truth. Yes. It's who we are as people, and I appreciate that you accept me for who I am. You are welcome. Uh, so... So Tina lived in or lived with Larry's grandmother. She had a really nice house in Hamilton, which is just south of Columbus. And this was done intentionally so that she could help grandma and grandma could. There's just another human, right? Another person to be there. And then they're not having the extra strain of the financial responsibility of, you know, mortgages and all that stuff. So when Larry came home, they would do their family things, um, it does, it, I think that it was almost harder, like when he would come home and then leave again, because oh, yeah, Tina does decide to eventually move out of Larry's grandmother's home, and there was a lot of resentment and anger 
Because she was ending the relationship. I wondered if that would happen. Yeah. <clears throat> it's It might work well for the kids, but yeah. if, if you could say that, but it doesn't go well for intimacy in a relationship. Absolutely not. It is very hard in, you know, well, and early 2000s too. to have sex with your husband when he is in California. Correct. Mm-hmm. And so... Also of concern, I mean, think about all the times that you may have supervised visits with parents who've had children removed and then they're in their in their with in their foster homes. Then when they do have contact with their biological parent, the foster parents report the craziness of trying to calm the kids back down because of the, the visit, the transition. Mm-hmm. So every time dad comes home, it's like this for her. Yes. Um, because they're excited to see him. The routine is fucked up. Sure. And so they're not gonna behave as they normally yep. would for her. It messes up the routine. And again, this is not negative commentary on that specific type of employment but it happens it does it does and it happens with all different types of employment that oh uh, traveling military military 100% military families my heart's right yes it's just so hard and so at first there was a lot of that anger and resentment and they didn't get along but I will say very quickly they figure out how to do this in a healthy way that would be better, you know, would be okay for the children. So even though they no longer lived together and um, were married, they did come together to figure out how to raise them without hate between one another. This is called co-parenting. It is. And done in a healthy way. And we should all try it where you put your children's needs ahead of your own ego. When you want to call him a jackass, you keep it in your own head. That's right. And share it with your friends later. Absolutely. Send it in a text message to your bestie. Right. That's okay. Don't post it online. No. Don't tell your children. No. Don't say it where your <laughs> Let's children save can their hear. brains. Yep. Save the children's brains. They they do figure out how to do this in a, a healthy way and I just wish everybody could do that as well. Tina obviously wanted, was looking more for a mate who was home, right? Mm-hmm. Who could be there to support her emotionally But and with physically. a job. Absolutely. Yep. Okay. Yep. So Tina, Sarah, and Cody actually get an apartment, and they lived in Hillard, which is just a suburban area on the west side of Columbus, Ohio. Uh, Larry did his absolute best to come home when he could to make seeing the kids, um, you know, for their sporting events and school things and whatnot a priority as much as he could. Um, he saw the kids when not only when he could, but he also just m- helped make sure that his kids were really kind to other kids. He would make sure that they were including, and not just him, Tina did this as well, but just they were the type of kids that like would include other kids that they realized were being left out, okay? And so these are just remarks about this point in time in his life that he is making about his children, that he remembers coming home and just being really proud of them. In 2005, Larry actually met a pretty woman named Tracy. Okay. And they start to date. And shortly after that, they welcomed a son of their own in 2006 that they named AJ. All right. He's also described to be a really kind kid with a good heart. Now, Tina had actually moved on as well. She met a man oh named Greg Borders. Mm-hmm. I think at some point in time, you have to consider quitting the truck driving. You keep losing women, man. No, no, no. Tina. 
Oh, Tra- See, oh, you got confused because of Tracy. I got Tracy and Tina confused. I'm no. like, you just got a married off or, or with a significant other and now she's gone. Okay, no, my no, bad. No, no, no. Yes. Him, so uh, Larry and Tracy have a son, AJ, and they're happy. And Tina met a man named you Greg know, Borders think, and they're together and I happy. I think I assumed maybe that she had already moved on with a human, oh, but she had yeah. not. She, she had just not. moved out to be on her own. Yes. Okay. From my understanding, actually, Larry was the one that met, moved on so- first. met someone first. Mm-hmm. Okay. I don't. I'm, that's just what was mentioned. I mean, maybe there were boyfriends or whatnot, but, oh, who cares? but Greg is yeah. a serious. Those right? are replaceable. They are. Yeah. This is somebody who worked with her at a target at this point in time, she was working at a target distribution center. And so they worked together and that's okay. how they met. And I mention him because they move in together with Sarah and Cody. Okay. And they got new neighbors just down the road in this, on the same road. Larry and Tracy. I knew you were going to say this. And their baby boy, AJ, moved in. Okay. So they're all living in the same neighborhood. So the, the kids are all close. And they're co-parenting well at this yes, point. Yes, yes. And they I both just, moved on. Yes. And they're all okay with Waiting that. Waiting for love the ball this. to drop. No, no, no balls drop. Okay. This no is balls drop. No balls drop. They're already fully mature. Yeah. No balls are dropping today. Or we're just not hitting puberty. Okay. Yeah. They're going to stay right up there. No, it's it's good. Yep, it's all good. This worked out really great. Living so close meant that Larry got to see his kids even, you know, more when he came home. And he did take, with a new baby boy, AJ, he did take a different truck driving job that allowed him to be home more instead of being gone for weeks at a time. Great. So this is wonderful. He did learn from his previous relationship and with his kids that things could go badly. So let's change things up. Yes. Then the recession of 2008 hits. Remember that? Because sure I sure do. Sure do. And Tracy lost her job. Larry got laid off, which forced him to take a job that paid well in Kentucky. Once again, moving away from Sarah and Cody. No. So now the visits aren't as regular. This is not as ideal. Um, so for a year and a half, Larry and Tracy and AJ are living in Kentucky and the economy was not getting any better, as you recall. Larry and, and Tracy decide to move on to an even better opportunity for Larry in Florida. So, again, not ideal. But to his surprise, shortly after the move, Tina actually called him and said, you know what? Because think about it. Like, nobody at this point in time, no one's got anything to lose. The, we're in a recession. It's, you know, 2009 at this point in time. She's like, I could actually move down to Florida and all the kids could be together. We could make this, this work this way. You know, I'm loving this so far. Yeah. It, well, and, and it didn't end up working out because Tina had actually recently been giving a good paying job with, um, the Dairy Queen franchise. Yes. And her father turns out kind During of, a recession, people still want ice cream. Yes. And, her father was like, you know what? I just don't think that in Florida you're going to find that same opportunity that you that was just given to you in this economy. So I think that you should probably stay. And so she does. Okay. So that did disappoint Larry because he was really excited to have, have all of them move down together. there. Mm-hmm. So they do end up staying in Ohio. Tina and, and Greg, she's living with Greg, remember. Um, Sarah and Cody, they actually moved to Apple Valley, which is is. It is as pretty as it sounds. Okay. It's on a lake. However, this move does change their fate forever. 
um, their new home. You should have gone to Florida. I, I that's why I brought in the Florida. Why I mentioned the Florida, even though it didn't pan out, because sometimes those are details I would leave out. But uh, yeah, no, exactly. But thank you for adding that because now I know that if things, if the universe worked differently, this could have all been a different story. Or in a parallel universe, that's that did what work did happen. Mm-hmm. Great, absolutely. Thank you. You just Doctor Strange marbled me. Yes, it's hey. You multiverse to be sure. No, there's no original ideas. It's uh, it's because it's happening somewhere. That shit's not made up. <laughs> so. Tina, uh, or their new home was on King Beach Drive and had a great backyard for the kids to play in. It was located in what was described as a secluded area away from the lakefront property homes. It was really nice and quiet and actually quite picturesque. Okay. So they're happy. And Tina even made a really good friend from the neighborhood named Stephanie Sprague. Stephanie was 41 years old, and the two had a lot in common. They were they made friends so fast. Stephanie had three children of her own, um, Sarah, which Sarah and Cody regularly played with and got along with. So Stephanie's children were Michael, who was a, an older teen. Then there was Trish, who was just a little bit older than Sarah, and Seth, who was just a little bit younger than Cody. So there's lots, you know, They're built similar in ages. Yeah. So this move to the new hood did not come without complications because Tina is now, she's working at the local Dairy Queen franchise, but the location was not that local to the Target Target Distribution Center that Greg still worked at where where he had met Tina, okay? Where that was was 60 miles away, which meant that he would have to get up at 3 in the morning every morning to make it to work on time to the distribution center and then have a whole hour drive home as well. So this isn't easy. ideal. This no. is not easy on them. Um, and, and I'm not saying that because they get a divorce or they break up. That's not a part of the story. No, it's just a difficult just, life it is. situation. Yep. Then in 2010, Larry's grandmother is put in a nursing home and left him her house. This is the same oh, grandmother yeah. that they used to live, live in with. when he was a long haul truck driver and he was married to um tina okay so even though he's in florida he's like okay now he gets it's essentially a free house right so he leaves florida and moves the him and tracy and aj back Back. to ohio yep and he is still truck driving but he leaves he goes to to ohio and he gets a a truck driving job that was actually delivering fuel to gas stations which was really worked out much better for him because he got to see Sarah and Cody regularly attend all their sporting events. This was a much more stable uh, nine to five type job, not nine to five, but you know, a regular. Yeah. Probably got the weekends off and things like that. Yes. Yep. Now at this point in time, Sarah was a really great softball player. Um, Her team even made regionals, and Cody had taken up baseball, and he was a great pitcher by the age of 10. Oh, wow. So they're they're athletic, and things are going really well. Even Tina's friend Stephanie, who continued to be a part of the family's life, they are, everything is fine. I want to tell you a little bit more about Stephanie. So she, and the reason I am is because Stephanie becomes a victim in this story. So although uh, the way I've set this up, it may seem strange that we're talking about one of Tina's best friends, but it's because she is a victim. She had worked at a golf course for many years 
But with the recession hitting, she had to take on other jobs. One of those other jobs was in Mount Vernon on a road called Columbus Road, where she had actually worked for a really strange man named Matthew John Hoffman. Now, this guy hated the world, he hated everybody in it, and he felt that his life was unfair, that everyone else got things that he deserved and that he didn't get. Because I know that guy. Right? Because he hasn't worked for them. Um, he is our perpetrator. Shocking. Okay. So. Man who hates everybody and is disgruntled in with life in general becomes perpetrator. On the crime podcast. Right. Yeah. Weird. Huh. <laughs> I know this shocks us all. Tale as old as time. Mm -hmm. So because all of this is when I get into telling you about Matthew Hoffman, it just kind of becomes one of those things of like, how the hell does he become connected to Tina and her children and, and Stephanie? Well, this is how. Okay. Okay. Because I'm, I'm going to tell you. Because her best friend mm -hmm. took on some type of employment with him yes. at some point. Yes. And, and he was very odd extremely odd and we will get to it but I'm gonna t I will tell you I'll take this time to tell you a little bit about Matthew Hoffman not a little bit I actually know quite a bit about him so I'll tell you it all get me into the mind of crazy and disgruntled please well he's a Scorpio <laughs> <laughs> that's and the podcast is over <laughs> right you don't need to know anymore and I'm saying that as a Scorpio uh, he was born November 1st, 1980. From a young age, his dude was obsessed with trees, not just climbing them, but literally everything about them. Yeah. Okay. He, All he, I keep thinking of is um, My Strange Addiction, that show where the guy was in love with his car. And I feel like this is like, a, and I'm in love with the tree thing and he's out in the woods. Well, I told you the drill. name of the book that I read for this case called The Girl in the Leaves, right? No, you didn't tell us the name. I did. You did? I, did. Uh -huh. oh, I missed that. Yeah. I know you said you read a book, but it's yeah. called The Girl in the Leaves. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. Jesus Christ. Thanks, Charnel. So, so, yeah, so he he's weird. He <laughs> he's would weird. Um, He would climb the trees a lot. As a young child, he would spend hours up there just looking down on the world, watching humans go by. His parents, the people who hatched him... <laughs> Are Robert and Patricia Hoffman, and he was mostly raised in the Warren area of Northeast uh, Ohio. His mother, Patricia, said that Matt was a really smart and energetic boy, but he was impossibly stubborn, headstrong, and very rebellious. He also liked to make people uncomfortable at any chance that he got. I mean, I'm okay with that. Well, it was just that. I just I just felt judged. It's not for a the funny, uncomfortable oh. like you like to make okay. people. It, for example, he would draw attention to himself with constant off-the-wall an answers to common, like, questions or statements. It, like, hey, you know, good morning, Matthew. And he'd be like, what's so good about it? Oh, yeah. Right, like, I okay. I too. You're fucking obnoxious. Yeah, it's not funny. Yeah, you're it's right. Annoying. You're right. My morning just got worse because you're standing there being a douche in front of me. Right. Good morning. What's so good about it? Well, apparently nothing. Yeah, nothing for you. But nothing for me, now. it's going great. So in 1997, his parents got a divorce, and this really hit him hard. He did not cope with this well. From the age of 14 to 16, he was just kind of described as always being angry, always getting into trouble. It was obvious to anyone who knew him at this time that he was on a bad path, even from the age of 14 to 16. 
Uh, even though he was in trouble, he did a lot. He did graduate in 1999 and he went to school to study electrical engineering at the career center. And that worked out for him. Like he did graduate from that. But after that, he just moved from job to job. He couldn't really keep anything for long because he wasn't happy with anything. No, he's the guy who is at your place of employment, who's always bitching, who's always having a bad day, who hates management, who hates his coworkers, right. who hates his life, doesn't think he get paid enough. Not that anybody does. No. And yeah, he's just, no he, he's does. the hateful employee that makes everybody's life miserable yeah. at work. That it doesn't matter. Like you could tell him like, hey, you're doing a really great job. And you're like, What's so great about it? Right. But I'm not doing a fantastic job. Oh, you said I'm doing a great job, but not yeah. a fantastic job. Like, just never going to be satisfied, right? Agreed. Okay. So in 2000, he actually moved to Steamboat Springs, Colorado to live with his grandmother. And he was working for a plumbing company at this point in time. He conveniently left town, Megan, though, suddenly and without notice as the police started to investigate a fire that had destroyed a really expensive condo complex that nearly killed residents. Luckily, nobody was killed, but it was people were running for their lives. Was it an electrical fire? <laughs> Good question. No, okay. but... But arson. He was, it was arson. It, it Very clear that it was arson, and he was working for this plumbing company. Around that same time that the fire took place, and it wasn't just one fire. It seemed as though they kind of had a string of fires, so they knew they had a bit you of have an a arson. serial arsonist. Yes, yes. They also started investigating a string of thefts from the city parks where park signs were missing. Just the park signs? Just the park signs. Large metal wood signs, like, that aren't easy to steal. But highly attributable to frat houses and college students yeah. who used to like to take and or borrow permanently uh, stop signs, mm -hmm. things like that. So the police get this random tip that the signs were actually in a rental unit of a place that the police, the local police knew to be a very seedy type of place. All right. And they're like, all those signs are in unit six. So the police show up and the signs are there, but the renter, the only renter that this unit has had in recent months named Matthew Hoffman was nowhere to be found. All right. So they contact his emergency contact on his rental thing, which is his grandmother. And grandma says, actually, he moved back to Ohio. Oh, he's abandoned his rental. Yes. So oh, stop signs or park signs. Yes. So his grandmother calls his mother, Patricia, and P Patricia took it upon herself to call the police and let them know that she would, you know, give her son um, the message that they, she, uh, that he needed to contact them. Six days later, Matthew Hoffman does call the police and he does confess to taking the signs and he does give details exactly of how he did it and how difficult it was because these are not easy signs to to uh, steal. They are cemented into the ground. Well, it's kind of hard to not take responsibility when they literally, it's like, roll tape. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. You're the only one. Your they're unit, in your you're unit. the only one with access to it. And he said his explanation is, I wanted some, some, I wanted some souvenirs from Steamboat. And the police are like, cool, but you didn't actually take them with you to Ohio. You abandoned them in a storage. Yeah, chamber. exactly. So that logic is flawed, sir. So they're like, listen, you have to report back here um, 
they gave him by a certain date, I think it was September 7th to, excuse me, September 27th, 2000, um, or else a warrant's going to be issued for your arrest. Very fair. Yep. So he's like, okay. He goes ahead and, um, let's see, what did I skip? I'm sorry, skipped ahead in my notes. Also, after this, as they are, remember, I told you that they are investigating this string of arsons, okay? The largest I mentioned was that condo complex. Well, here's what they find. At the same time that it's basically happening at the same time of, hey, you need to get your butt back here to Steamboat, Colorado, while we're also investigating this. And then they've got his name, he's on the radar, and they discover that he works for a plumbing company. And weirdly enough, all of the the buildings that have that string of arson, well, they had a plumbing order on all of those complexes just before the fires had started. Okay. So he's on that. They haven't talked to him about it yet. But they know. But they're on, he's on their radar. So September. He's a person of interest. He is. September 26, 2000, he does go back to Steamboat Springs, Colorado. He turns himself in and he waived his Miranda rights. And at this point in time, they start to ask him about the string of arsons. And not only that, but they have his fingerprints. They have all kinds of information. He didn't try to hide his tracks real well at all, which probably isn't surprising with the way that I told you that he was just like, yeah, um, yeah I, stole I stole the them. signs. You know what I mean? Kind of same thing. They start in this, in, when they're talking to him about the signs, they start asking him about the arsons. And like, just so you know, we found your We have your fingerprints. We have receipts from you buying gasoline, the same accelerant that was used, the same cans that were used from a local store. Like we, we have all this. And he just eventually says, okay, you obviously have me. The and jig just, is up. Yeah. He did try to, and I won't get into, into it because it's, it's all the, the same common crap of just trying to manipulate his way out of it and give explanations that they were just able to very quickly be like, oh yeah, but what about this? And, you know, one of which is the, seeing him on camera purchase the actual accelerant that was used. And he was then, well, I had, I was purchased, you know, it it, all in one. It was for my lawnmower. It was for my, yeah. It was just blah, blah, blah. Finally, they're like, okay, yeah, obviously you've got me. So what are we supposed to do here? He then gave them all the details, agreed to write a confession. He also then just decided to plead guilty instead of going through a jury trial. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I hey, know people that save do that. some tax, pay your dollars. Thank you, sir. I had somebody the other day who was just like, it's fine. I'll just wave and go over and plead guilty straight up on the felony. And his attorney was like, are you sure? And he goes, well, I, got, I have no defense. I did it. Right. <laughs> I mean, I'm caught, I busted. Have, I have a little bit more ex- yeah. uh, respect for people like that. I honestly. do. I do as well. Like, I do. What can yeah, you say? No. This is this is an honest criminal. It's for taking yeah. accountability. Mm-hmm. So what ends up happening is... He is sentenced to eight years in Colorado prison with time accured. And so he is released in actual, actually released in 2007, where he moves back to Ohio, where he is a miserable, miserable man in his trees. Okay? Okay. Well, there's not a lot of trees in prison. There are in Colorado, but you only get to see them through bars. Yep. So he's been the only way he could enjoy his trees. 
As he moves back to Ohio, neighbors reported that he had started trapping and killing squirrels, sometimes grilling them and eating them. That doesn't I'm sorry, me. we're from Michigan and people eat squirrels. No. They go squirrel they hunting. They I'm sorry, they wear the tails they and they and they eat the animals, so they're they not do. wasting it. I think that for these particular neighbors, it felt out of place because he lived in a suburb. Oh, yeah. That's a little bit disconcerting. Yeah, I, I mean, mean, I live in a subdivision here. And uh, it would be weird to watch somebody chase after a squirrel yeah. and grab it and, and skin it in your yard. Yeah. But but is it wrong? We're outside of the city limits. Is it wrong? No. Mm, yeah. I, my parents who live on the farm, is it more acceptable there? Certainly, sure, but why? I mean, there's squirrels here that are a nuisance. They're yeah. really, and they're big and fat here. So to, they are. So to me, that was kind of like, okay, guys. I mean, I get it. It bothers animal lovers, guy. though, because they're going to look at something like squirrel and say, oh, this is a, this guy's like a serial killer. He's out like murdering animals and mutilating them. For people to see, like, and he's right. throwing them on his grill for his neighbors to see, and I see why it was off-putting. I can, I can see both sides of and this. And you coin. can tell that I am unbothered right. and unfazed. Right. Yep. <laughs> what was more peculiar to them, and when you put all these pieces together, I get it. Okay, is that they reported that they he would spend hours up in his trees in his backyard. That's way weirder. Watching his neighbors from his perch don't up like there. That. When you put that together with the squirrel skinning and grilling, I get it. I, I would be far more scared. irritated if I looked across the property line and the neighbor was in a large tree watching me. That bothers me far more than somebody grilling a squirrel. Yes, I agree completely. Because I would be inclined to shoot somebody with a BB gun in a tree, but I would never do that while they're grilling. Right. I need you guys to understand, <laughs> he was born in 1980. And He's just a is, few years younger than it's me. It's 2009. He's a grown-ass man mm -hmm. sitting up in a tree for hours, not doing spiritual things, just creepily watching. Hey, I don't care it's if not you meditating. are doing spiritual things in the top of a tree. Go do it someplace where I don't see you. <laughs> I don't want and to maybe, see you seeing me. Maybe he thought people couldn't see him, but they definitely <laughs> I'm in a tree. could. I'm invisible. They could. I'm in. I'm one with the I've trees. Was he wearing a ghillie suit? The tree. Not that I'm aware of. <laughs> maybe that would have assisted him in his endeavors. At this time, he was actually also working as a professional tree trimmer. Okay. Good. That's a good job for someone who has an affinity for trees. It really is, and he has access to squirrels. Right. At any, I mean, he's got lunch anywhere he, does. he, goes. Anywhere he, he goes. He doesn't have to worry about packing it. No. Because he's up there in their home. Right. Slaughtering them, essentially. <laughs> I mean, if you're a squirrel, you're way more bothered by what I've told you about Matthew Hoffman so far. <laughs> right. The monster's back. Yes. He climbs into our homes <laughs> and slaughter us, slaughters us. Yes. So. So that's where I'm going to leave you for this oh, episode. No. Oh, shit. Okay. There's so much more. There is so much more. But I'm setting the scene. You we said have, it. We have set the stage. We've met the players. We've met the family. I don't. I shouldn't say players. I, I, I apologize about that because this is not a, a play or a game. But we've met all the people okay. that are involved. We know. And we're in 2010 which is when this tragedy takes place. So I've left you with the family of knowing everyone is back in Ohio, living in Ohio. And how together. they came to be there. Yes, how they came to be there. Um, kind of Matthew Hoffman's childhood up to this point and how he came to be in 
these parts of Ohio as well. And so I will bathe you right quick. Please, please bathe me right quick. I'll be, I'll bathe you right quick. And then if you're a Patreon, jump on over to part two. If you're not and you can't become, and you want to become one, excuse me, there is a link in the show notes. And if you can't, that's okay. We'll be back next week. You'll hear the rest of the story next week and that'll be fine. And (laughs) why are you laughing before you even start reading? Because... I mentioned at the beginning of the episode that people had have left some really nice reviews. Yeah. And I want to read you this really nice review, but it is a brain bath because I think that this person is possibly one of our spirit sisters because this is something we would do. Okay. okay. And when I read it to you, you're going to be like, well, that's odd, Charnel, but um, allow me to explain. Okay. So if you're listening, Jesse J12, love you so much. Thank you for your wonderful review, but we're going to get to why this is a brain bath. Her title is my favorite, or he, I shouldn't say. I, I don't know, Jesse, don't know. male or female. Um, yes, the title is my favorite. Hands down, my favorite podcast out there. It adds personality and humor to true crime stories, making a great listen. Honestly, if I ever go missing or get murdered, I need this crew to give all the <laughs> details to the world while drinking a bottle of wine in my memory. And my God, woman, we will. Or a ball. Or man. I think I know who this is. But this is why it's a brain bath. Okay. Love you so much. Thank you so much for this review. But you accidentally just hit the one star. Oh, my God. That's amazing. (laughs) Which is exactly something I would do. (laughs) That's so awesome. So it shows that it's a one star review. No, and that's Jesse with a Y. So it's not the Jesse I was thinking of. Yeah. Yep. But that is awesome. So we have a uh, one star uh, yep. review that is hands down my favorite <laughs> podcast. I, I love that. Me too. Because I would do that. You know that this delightful human being meant to do four or five stars, something like that. Obviously five. Just, you know accidentally fat fingered or something or just brain didn't connect but yep it shows us a one-star review crime curious where all our negative reviews are because of finger error (laughs) fingering error fingering error (laughs) i just so jesse j12 if you're out there thank you thank you Absolutely, thank you for your phenomenal review, and <laughs> you are definitely our people. We that love is you. for sure. You are, you are our people. Isn't that cute? Uh, all right. Well, like I said, jump on over to part two if you can. If you're a Patreon, you get it right away. Otherwise, we will be here next week. Yes. And delighted to be in your ear holes, giving you more content. Well, giving you the rest of the story. And there's a lot. So, all right. Until next time, you guys, keep curious. And keep listening. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.